Welcome to Take Control of Your Career, where we discuss strategies to get you in the driver's seat of your career. Here's your host, Lauren Herring. Hello, and welcome to Take Control of Your Career. If you are looking to level up in your career, then you are in the right place. Today, our guest is Aditi Gokhale, Chief Commercial Officer and President of Investments and Products and Services at Northwestern Mutual. Thank you so much for joining us, Aditi. Thank you, Lauren. It is a pleasure to be here today with you. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure you're going to have a tremendous amount of wisdom and great advice to share with those listening. So help us get to know you a little bit better and let us know how you got to this point where you are currently in your career as the leader of a large organization at Northwestern Mutual. Thank you. So it may be a little bit of a long response, but you know, your first question in terms of uh, how did I get to this point, I think really goes back to how I was raised. I was raised in a family, a very, very strong, well-knit family. I had very strong female uh, women in my family. My mom, my grandmom, my sister, my dad was uh, very unique, having been born and raised in, in India, very unique in his uh, thoughts about both his daughters focusing on the education and the arts, um, not so much focusing on what at that time was considered to be very stereotypical duties of a, you know, of a woman. And I think that was a very solid foundation that I had in terms of opening up my views on what I wanted to do in my life, taking risks. And I think that led me to apply to four schools in the United States. I had never seen those schools. I had read about them in the Barron's Guide. And um, I took my first uh, international flight to Boston's Logan Airport to join MIT. So it's just sort of that, that kind of a support system and a network that I had made me take that leap into coming to now, which is I consider to be my home, the United States. So at 17, I started my journey at MIT, which, you know, Lauren is probably not a very easy school to get started with. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. And um, I think so I did my undergrad at MIT and I also went to the Sloan School of Management. But I think what MIT taught me, so the first step was just taking that risk and taking that leap and coming here. The second thing around MIT was really building grit and resilience being away from family in a completely new setting, a completely new accent and language and food and weather and everything, I think really toughened me up in terms of my, my next stage of my journey. And then, of course, after that, joining Booz Allen, and I had a lot of really, really great career moves that I was able to make because of that foundation of taking risks. It's okay to fail but learning through that process, which is what got me then to Northwestern Mutual. Absolutely. I love the, the key threads there about taking risk and resilience and That's right. you know, just being able to come back no matter what comes at you. So yeah. tell, tell us a little bit more as you have uh, obviously grown very successfully in your career. What has fueled your career growth and helped you rise up through the ranks uh, in addition to that risk-taking and resilience? You know, I think there were a few moments in my career that come to mind that have really shaped my career. I think the first one was when I started my career in consulting at Booz Allen. I think it was a fantastic foundation for me because as a consultant, I got the inside view on different companies 
And what that helped me do is really understand, do I want to be a consultant or do I want to get on the corporate side of things, right? Yeah, and, and I, sometimes it's just as important to figure out what you don't want to do as it is what, you, want what do. you do want to do. Exactly. And I think a very, you know, I spent three wonderful years at Goose Island, but what I realized is I didn't want to be a consultant. And I'll tell you why. What I realized through this process when I was looking at the other leaders that, you know, we were advising or the teams that we were advising, I really liked the idea of not just developing strategies, but executing strategies and having PNL responsibility, feeling accountable. And I wasn't gonna get that much out of consulting doing that, right? And that's what led me to then say, okay, I wanna make a move on the corporate side of things. And that's how I joined American Express. So that was my first career move, I think, which was, which was important for me in terms of what I didn't wanna do, like you said. And then the second important aspect in my seven to eight year journey at American Express was what I realized is that I have, and even beyond American Express, I have taken on jobs that typically people have shied away from. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, you know, there was a role in Membership Rewards, which is, uh, you know, one of the best loyalty programs uh, in the credit card space. And uh, that particular role had a lot of senior visibility. Uh, because yes, good Express. news, bad news. <laughs> good news, bad news. And so there weren't many takers for that role. And um, I went for it. You know, consistently out of that, you know, even when I was at Nutrisystem, uh, which was a turnaround situation, you know, I, I'd heard through uh, some of my colleagues that there weren't those many people who wanted to take that role. So I think there's a there's a there's another theme there where I have felt, and that that has you know, I don't know, at that time, I didn't know there were other, there weren't those many takers for the role. But the theme there is I go for a challenge. I like solving complex problems. The membership rewards uh, opportunity was highly visible. Uh, so it was a high risk, high reward game. But what landed up happening were there were two programs that I instituted that got me in tremendous success and visibility. And that led me to a promotion in a, in a very short period of time in American Express. Yeah, and that ability to have that corporate visibility mm -hmm. in large organizations is so critical because if all you're doing is keeping your head down and yeah. expecting that someone is going to observe you doing good work, especially yeah. if you're not in an extremely visible role that has the exposure that you just described, then you can just keep on doing that forever and you wonder why other people are passing you by. So really being focused on getting that corporate visibility is key in playing the promotion game, especially at a large organization or any organization. And, and recognizing in that, that with that, there is an element of risk, right? And, and what I would say is taking those calculated risks. So with the membership rewards opportunity specifically, what I realized very quickly was my then leader, who's a fantastic person, and I've, you know, to this day, he and I have a great relationship. He was looking for uh, someone with a consulting background for that role, which I had. He was looking at sort of rethinking the strategic framework of membership rewards, right? So when you're thinking about taking calculated risks, you also want to think about playing to your strengths when you're taking those risks. So I was able to do that with some of the roles that I took on because I knew going in that there is a risk, but I'm going to play to my strengths. I love that. Great way to think about the big picture there. So mm -hmm. In the, in the concept of, you know, taking on these big risks, you know, what are some of the big challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? 
Yeah, so, so first and foremost, you know, I've been asked this question before, and when you look at my career path or anyone's career path, one needs to completely be honest that there have been a, a series of challenges throughout, right? Because sometimes we just talk about the successes and, oh, you know, I took this role and then I took this role. And no, there were a lot of bumps in the road, right? So the challenges, I would say, were, uh, you know, a few of them. One was, you know, there were times when I did apply for a role. There were times when, and I didn't get it. And uh, I felt that I was the best person for the job, but uh, there were others who got it. Um, and sometimes I felt it was probably because I was a woman that I didn't get it, right? So there was an element of sexism that I've dealt with in my career. Um, the, there's an element of racism that I've dealt with in my career. These are real problems that exist today. And the real question is, what do you do about it? Yeah, right? so what did you do about it? Yeah, so I mean, the the you know, the, the instant reaction is to say, why me? And, you know, go through that sort of self-evaluation. But the, the reality is that for every instant that there were opportunities that didn't come my way, there were other instances where I sort of navigated through and figured out that there is an opportunity. There were times when I felt that I deserved a promotion and I had to go and speak to my leader about why I didn't get the promotion. So standing up for yourself, advocating for yourself, I think is something that we as women need to do. Um, but the, the, the element there that I had to work on, and I tell most women to do that, is confidence, right? Mm -hmm. I think what, what I have seen in my career, and I've been speaking to other women too, is there is a lack of confidence. And we tend to talk ourselves out of situations. So, you know, there is a job that I want to apply, but there are 50 reasons, Lauren, why I should not apply for that job, right? I don't give the 50 reasons about why I should apply for that job. If I don't get a promotion, well, maybe this person had 20 other things better than me. No, you probably had 20 things better than that person, right? So talking yourself into a situation first instead of out of, I think is critical as you navigate, you know, your career path. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and unfortunately, whenever we talk ourselves out of those opportunities, unfortunately, we're then contributing to the problem of not having enough women at the top levels of leadership. So That's right. when, I, when I think about, yes, there are systemic problems in the corporate cultures that we have today, but you know, what are the things that you can control right now about your career? And let's focus on moving forward with that. Correct. Absolutely. So there are things you can control, but also I think back to your question, what are you doing about it beyond yourself? Now that I'm in this role um, as a C-suite executive, you know, I'm clearly passionate about uh, uh, gender equality. Uh, I'm passionate about diversity. I happen to be a woman and a person of color. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm the executive sponsor of the women's platform at Northwestern Mutual. Um, but that's not just being a sponsor, that is actually creating accountability goals, initiatives to really move this conversation forward. So for example, at Northwestern Mutual, we have now created a platform with money, resources, leaders, men as allies um, around making it the best place for women to join, to stay, and to grow. And what I mean by that is we are really looking at a diverse pipeline We're from a recruiting perspective. We're looking at leadership development at the mid-level. So those are the kind of things now I'm able to do because I feel that I can influence those decisions. When, when I was going through my career you know, 10, 15 years ago, we didn't have those. 
Right. Well, I am so appreciative of the efforts that you're doing in your organization to move that conversation forward because it that's what it takes. It takes that executive leadership and sponsorship of moving these kinds of initiatives and uh, culture change through Absolutely. as well. So uh, what other than uh, stepping up and, and taking uh, additional risks in their career, any other advice you give to women as a result of some of the learnings that you've had? Absolutely. So, you know, stepping up, taking risks, advocating for yourself, building that self-confidence, all of those are things that you can control. But then there are other aspects, I think, that are also critical, making sure that you have a network of champions for yourself, right? And, and that was in building relationships. And I always say that you've got to build relationships with your peers, with your with your with the, uh, your leader, uh, but also with your team members. You never know, and it has to be not just the obvious network within your function. It has to be across the enterprise. You know, reaching out, connecting with people, and building that network because you always need champions. You know, and you never know when someone in passing is thinking about a role and an opportunity, and someone else might put a good word for you, right? So, so building that network um, and and building that uh, that community of champions for you, I think, is also very critical. Any advice on how to specifically do that in a large organization, where especially in the environment we're in right now with COVID, a lot of people are still working from home. So how do you, uh, what advice do you give to people in terms of how they can build that visibility outside their immediate area right now? So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's what I say, and it's just, this is probably what you've heard before. It's the formal and the informal networks, right? So for me, it used to be a struggle to, to do networking, so to speak, just because again, you know, there are only so many hours in the day, you've got to work, you've got to do this. But what I started to realize is that um, the lines are getting so blurry in between your home and your work life that I started building, you know, a family away from family kind of a thing within my workplace. And at Northwestern Mutual, I can say that, even at Nutrisystem, I can say that. So starting to connect with people in an informal way, like-minded people, having the same interests, talking about the same uh, topics that interest you and me, forming that informal network um, became easier for me to do. The formal network of, you know, some senior leader, hey, can I get 15 minutes of your time? Let me tell you what my background is. I didn't really do well with that, just me as a person. So I think it was my informal network of meeting like-minded people, uh, not for a job, just getting to know them, them getting to know me. I think that really worked well for me. That's a great point because obviously with your cultural background as a woman in a very male dominated industry, there's a lot of reasons why maybe it could be a challenge to find those things to connect on. But it just goes to show that we're at the end of the day, we're all humans and there's got to be something that you can connect on. Right. And I think you, you raised a point around culture. And I think I just want to acknowledge that because when I look back and I say, what, what, why did I not um, you know, reach out in a formal way, you know, in a formal mentoring program uh, or, or reach out to leaders in a formal sort of setting is because I come from a culture where the work has to speak for itself, so to speak, right? You don't market yourself culturally, you know, you it's just, it's, it's not who I was when I grew up. And so all the threads that I'm talking about, advocating for yourself, creating those informal networks is something that I had to work on over the last 20 years. Um, and I think for me, that's why doing it the informal route versus the formal route works to my um, sort of getting out of my comfort zone a little bit better. 
Yeah, but you also bring up a great point that a lot of this stuff isn't natural, even for the people that have really gotten to that top level. And so yes. the fact that you're sitting here saying, I had to work on this Absolutely. and the results speak for themselves. Yeah, I mean, I, I still, and I have, uh, I have women ask me, so, so you still talk yourself into situations? I was like, every day, every day, every morning. Oh, absolutely yes i know the feeling i was actually just on a coaching call myself yesterday having so like, <laughs> i commit i'm going to move forward with this thing that i've been procrastinating we i we're all still human <laughs> i think i think the other reason why i i want to mention this about talking yourself into situations is uh because as women we want we and I, I'm, I'm using this generally but i know you relate to it is it feels like we have to get everything right Everything has to be buttoned up. Everything has to be right. We, as, uh, as women, put a lot of pressure on ourselves, right? As, as moms, as, as wives, as, as um, uh, um, uh, executives, uh, managers, leaders. And I think what I've started to do is we don't have to put that kind of pressure. You don't have to get it right all the time. Everything doesn't have to be buttoned up, right? Of course, when the stakes are high, it depends, right? But at the same time, this pressure, this pressure of being right, um, combined with a lack of confidence, I think that is what we've got to work on. Absolutely. And I saw a quote that I was reminded of the other day that I thought encapsulates this perfectly, which says, uh, imperfect action is still better than perfect inaction. Absolutely. That's a great quote. Yeah. So uh, you found clarity early in your career that you wanted to move up the ladder. So how mm -hmm. did you find that? Because that's one of the areas that I'm really passionate about helping women figure out what do they really want out of their career, out of their personal goals and how do you make sure those are aligned? So how was that process for you in getting clarity? Yeah, so I think, I, I think uh, you know, lack of clarity comes with lack of confidence to begin with. I think that was, that was one thing that I had to work on. But you know, I, to be very honest with you, I didn't, I didn't tell myself, you know, someday I wanna be chief commercial officer, right? I didn't say that. Uh, what I did want, uh, focus on is, um, I realized that, you know, the, the, the big question was, do I want to go down the corporate track or do I want to be an entrepreneur, right? And to be honest, I, I actually co-founded a company after I left American Express, I wanted to try that. I co-founded a company with uh, one of my closest friends and it's, it's, a, it's a very successful company called iQuantai. Um, and so I tried that. So part of my career was um, things I want to do and things I don't want to do. But if you don't try it, you won't know if you don't want to do it, right? So there was a certain element of me wanting to be an entrepreneur. I, I loved it, but then I preferred going down the corporate uh, path. I liked scaling companies. I liked scaling businesses. I liked being part of a larger team, um, creating bigger impact. So, so I had to get that clarity and I got that clarity through my own experience. But then the other clarity that I got is, um, you know, I didn't feel... Uh, I, I had to ask myself, which industry am I most excited about? And what I realized is health, wealth, and education. Those are the three categories that, that frankly, I want to be a part of, right? And so that got me clarity in the kind of companies that I would want to work at. And then the third piece of clarity that I got was, what do I want to do with my job? And I realized that I just like solving complex problems. 
So I focused on jobs that were either transformational in nature or that were turnarounds. I liked being that change agent. That's what got me excited. I didn't want to do a purely operational role or a purely marketing role. It had to be a problem, a complex problem that needed to be solved. So those were the sort of three pieces that I sort of worked on over the last 20, 22 years. And again, it wasn't like I woke up in the morning and say, oh, you know what? I want to focus on health, wealth, and education. It's sort of through your experiences that you say, okay, I don't want to do this. I want to do this. Absolutely. That's a great framework to think about it. Uh, and one of the key things that has been a part of your success is your leadership style that is um, that it's unique to you. So how would you Describe your leadership style and how that's different from others in business. Um, so my leadership style is about being completely open and honest and being transparent. Um, I, 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 I lead with radical candor, so to speak. Um, I am, um, you know, very early on, I realized that the best thing to do is to be open and honest with your team and lead by example. So I'll tell you, I'll give you a few examples of that. Um, one is um, everybody knows what's going on with my calendar. Um, if I have to go for my son's tennis match, I don't say I'm, I have a doctor's appointment. Um, in fact, the other day I was supposed to be, uh, this was on the weekend and I was supposed to be um, getting on a call and I was going through um, finals with my son. And so we were going a bit late on the history lesson and I texted my colleague and I said, this is what's happening. And she said, I'm at a walk. So, you know, it's, it's that way. Like we're not, we, we tell what's happening right there and there. So we are very open and honest about um, our situations and, and things that come from a personal perspective. So I lead by example that way. Um, and that actually goes back to what you were, we were talking about earlier in terms of the cultural shift that is important to help people, really not only women, but you know all, all people who are interested in being present for their families to feel right. like there's a safe place where they don't have to go around sneaking and wow. uh, that, that executive leadership showing that this is a priority is so important. And that's the culture I wanted to build for my function and for the company. And that's the culture we already had at Northwestern Mutual. I just wanted to share it and lead by example that it's okay to do that, right? Um, the, the, similarly, when I say I've been very open and honest, when we all got into uh, you know, uh, this quarantine situation with Zoom, um, I felt that my team felt like they had to be buttoned up at all times, right? Because now it's your, you're sort of opening your personal life, your backgrounds and everything, you know, everybody knows what's going on. And what I realized is that there was again, this pressure, not just for women, but for men too, that, oh my God, starting now, they're going to have, uh, you know, open access to the personal life. And so we've got to create this home office setup, which looks exactly like where you were at work. Absolutely not. It's okay to have barking dogs. I am with my team. I'm eating because I need to eat. I, I mean, we just all need to eat, right? We all need to go for our bio breaks, whatever it is, being open and authentic about it. Uh, my son, when he's back from school at 3.30, comes in and says hi, and I say hi if I'm in a meeting. It's normal. So leading by example, I think put uh, relieved uh, a lot of pressure from my team, from my, my team members, from my direct reports in terms of, okay, we can do this. We can be in this pandemic. We can be productive because that leads mm -hmm. to productivity. 
right? At the right. end of the day. So we can be productive and it's okay to be uh, dealing with, uh, you know, a FedEx delivery or, uh, you know, a barking dog or a crying child. And that also helps from that diversity and inclusion standpoint as well, where you can feel like you can bring your whole self to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bringing your whole self to work. You know, um, there's another area where how do you show up to work? That was the other thing that I've uh, spoken to women about. Um, I don't wear pantsuits. I love color. Um, I love fashion. Um, you know, I love hanging out with the guys, but I'm not going to be playing golf the entire weekend. That's just not me. So you, you don't have to conform, um, to a specific stereotype. You can be your authentic self. You can bring your whole self to work. And I think, especially now the way corporate America is, we need more of that. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've mentioned your son on several occasions. So that's obviously very important. He's obviously very important to you. Uh, so maybe you can just share a little bit of how you balance the big job and the family responsibilities as well. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, the first thing that is important when you're talking about uh, balance is, um, the definition of what you mean by balance, right? Because I think each person has their own definition. So I've never had nine to five jobs. Those that, you know, when you're talking about turnarounds and transformations, you know, it's not sort of, okay, it's five o'clock. I'm going to deal with this tomorrow morning, right? Um, so I've never had those and I've never wanted those. So balance had to do with how do you infuse, um, uh, you know, personal important moments in your life, given that that's balance for me. So that's where, you know, if I had to go for a recital or a game or whatever, you know, I wanted to make sure that was incorporated because I don't have a nine to five job. But setting those expectations with your leader upfront uh, and having that sort of, you know, I will be productive, I will deliver, but here's how I balance my life and being open and honest, I think is a very important conversation to have. Um, but even taking it a step back, those- Have you, a, a quick question on that. Have you ever had a leader where you've had that conversation and it's been challenged? Absolutely. Absolutely. So how, how did you come back to that? Well, that wasn't the right. So coming back to that's not the right cultural fit for me as a company. Um, and to be honest with you, I left the company. And I left the company in a very short time. <laughs> well, but it's great to but it's great to hear you say that so that it gives other people context that you have that you know it might not be the ideal, the easy solution, but right. long term it's going to be the right thing for you. Absolutely. So so that is where I said, you know, taking even having those conversations, it, it needs to be the right cultural fit. So when you are talking about being uh, uh, productive, when you are going to you know, uh, bring your whole self to work, you've got to have the right culture in the company to allow you to do that. Now you can read up about it, but you can figure it out during the interview process. I did all of that, but it wasn't the right cultural fit for me. I knew it within the first three months of my job, but then I went through, is it me? Is it the company? Is it me? I can change. We all go through that, right? And then I realized this is just not going to work for me long term. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that because it just goes to show that we've you've been there, you've experienced what I think a lot of people have experienced, and then you took control of what was uh, going to be your next step. So absolutely. Thank you for all these wonderful insights, Aditi. I have loved our conversation and I know people will get lots of value out of it. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Lauren. It was a pleasure and uh, hope to connect with you soon.
Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Take Control of Your Career with Lauren Herring. Be sure to check the show notes for our guest's information. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show so that you don't miss an episode. Want to get control of your career now? Visit www.earnyourworthcareers.com. You can get your own career coach or download a free ebook on best practices to ask for a raise.